Today, we want to continue our series. It's called Following Jesus, Everyday Heroes. And so let me try to um, set it up. Oh, by the way, I got a new T-shirt. Are you guys okay with that? You know, if you're not okay with it, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. But anyway, uh, a friend of mine made it. <laughs> Following Jesus. So um, we could come at this from two angles. You're sitting in church or you're watching church. Uh, you know that. And so it's kind of a no-duh. It should be like the main thing is following Jesus. You know that, right? Like, that's the main thing. That's kind of like why we're here. And we're at least here to learn about following Jesus, to think about whether we actually would want to do it. Well, let me say that. Let me back up even more. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're following Jesus. You should know that. You're here to think about following Jesus. Or you're here to tell people, pretend that you follow Jesus because you went to church. But being here is not following Jesus. But that's the main thing. In other words, Jesus said to the followers, the disciples, come and what? Follow me. Follow me. So they did. They picked up, they left their nets, and they followed him. And that's actually what they did in that day. Now, today, we can't do that. So we have to figure out if we're still supposed to. I think the answer to that is yes. But if we're supposed to, then what does that mean today? What would it be like to follow him today? And then you'd ask other questions like, is he worth following? Uh, a lot of people ask this question, and they, and they tell you, like, you should tell people, what's in it for me? Like, that makes a really good sermon. Tell them what's in it for them. What if nothing's in it for you? No, I don't believe that. I think there is something in it for you. But following Jesus might be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. And that you should know up front. Because he put the bar way up there. And then he didn't say, you know, do what you like. He said, follow me. Follow me. But the thing you need to know is that the bar was way up there. And the thing that you need to know was it wasn't a, uh, this is the easiest way to live your life seminar. This was tough. Now, I will say, I also do believe that it is deeply fulfilling, or at least it seems like it, because I've, as I've admitted from the beginning, I don't think I'm doing this that well. I mean, when you take an honest assessment, when you look at Jesus and what he did, and he said to follow him, I, honest assessment of Chris is like, man, man, we got, we got a ways to go. But from what I can gather, it's deeply fulfilling to take on something of such a challenge. Now, following Jesus means you got to go back through like 2,000 years of, of history, of dirt. Literally, if you've, if you've ever been, um, anybody ever been like on a, on a site of an architectural dig? If you've ever been with one of our trips, you know, like to Israel or Turkey or Greece, we go to these places where they have ruins, and literally over time you have layers of dirt, layers and layers and layers of dirt. And you have to take all the dirt off to see what it was like 2,000 years ago, let's say. 
So to begin to follow Jesus, we first have to find him. You guys got a minute? Can I... You first have to find him. You can't assume that what everybody puts on the radio today is following Jesus. Even if they say the word Jesus like a thousand times, God, Jesus, Jesus, God, God, Jesus, Bible, God, Jesus, church. It is zero guarantee. As I said last week, Vladimir Putin quoted the scripture from his mega rally. You know these things, right? You know he built a church. He's a church builder. You know he's a church person. So there you go. Make your own judgments. Following him, you would have to dig through and go, okay, what did it mean? And, and that's what we're going to try to do in this series. We're going to try to spend a little time thinking about that. Instead of listening to what other people tell us, and we started this series talking about Zacchaeus who climbed the tree, so he didn't have to stand back in the crowd and play the telephone game, but he got a firsthand look. That requires some work. To follow him, we have to find him. What was Jesus? Just, just an example. I'll give you one little example just to get you thinking. Um, who here has heard of the prodigal son? If you have a pulse, please raise your hand. Or <laughs> you've, you've heard of this? Okay. I know we're kind of getting into a post-biblical generation here, but the prodigal son. So most of us, we're the prodigal son, and we get a couple of takeaways like we all sin, and we all leave the father, and we mess it up, and we find ourselves feeding pigs, and we, we reach out to God, and the father stays there. He loves us, and he always welcomes us back. And so it's a me-centric story. It's about how much God loves me, and I've told that story, and there's a lot to gain out of that story, right? God loves me even when I'm screwed up, and even when I mess up, even when I'm far away. Great message. Great message? Yeah, great message. However, one of the things that we don't realize is a person hearing that story in Jesus' day got that message, but they also got another message. They got the message of someone got someone left home. They were gone for a long time, and then they came back. That's their story. He was telling their history. That was the story of exile and return. Exile and return. If you've read the Bible, if you dare to meander, they all get taken away, all right, into the exile. So everybody in that day would have picked up on this stuff right away. And many other things that Jesus said, but we would have to dig a little bit to go, oh, there was more going on at that time, more than we realize. Jesus' message was big. Now, in the garden, he gets arrested, and um, you get arrested for sticking out. Anybody here ever do anything illegal? Close my eyes. <laughs> when you were doing the thing that was illegal, were you trying to stand out? Not if you were sober. <laughs> right? If you were doing something illegal, you were trying to what? Lay low, blend in, blend in. So Jesus stood out. This is a big, big part. He's arrested. Um, and when he's arrested, Judas comes and he says, the one that I kiss, that's the one. Arrest him, Mark chapter 14. And then they arrest him in the garden. And when they arrest him, Jesus says something. He goes, am I leading a rebellion? 
Good question. Good question. Um, in a minute, can we, can we snag that whiteboard when you guys get a minute? We'll bring it up here. Now, he, was he leading a rebellion? First of all, he was leading something. He was leading something. We called it a movement earlier. He started something. And the movement he referred to, he over and over again called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. One, two, three, the kingdom kingdom of God. That's what he talked about all the time. Mistakenly, this in modern times, oftentimes, 90% of the churches in in the world talk about this as heaven. Look me in the eyeballs. He was not talking about heaven because he said over and over again, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is starting now. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And he also taught them to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in your kingdom come on earth. So this was a movement. It was a movement that was like, wonder what it would be like if God was running the show. wonder what that'd be like. Um, I got this from somebody else. Um, and so I won't, I won't take credit for it. His name was Richard Rohr, but I changed it so the parts that are bad you can blame on me. The parts that are good you can credit to him. But uh, he talked about over time, one of the things that happens is uh, you have these movements. You would say this could be a human. It's not male-specific. But a person starts something, you know. A, a guy starts a, a, a car company. A guy in, invents a cell phone. And, and he, he's a game changer. Or a guy, a guy uh, pioneers out and he forges new land somewhere. And a person begins something. And then after you have a man, you have a movement. A bunch of people start to follow. So in the Jesus story, you would have Jesus of Nazareth, and he pioneered something. He switched directions. He stood out. He taught differently. He lived differently. He kept turning things upside down. He said, the last will be first, and the first will be last. He said, don't kill your enemies. Pray for your enemies. He did all this stuff, and the crowds of people started to go, you know, maybe that's right. Maybe, that's, maybe there is a, a better way. And it turned into a movement. The movement they called the way. You can read about that in the book of Acts. It says they were followers of the way. They never called themselves Christians. How arrogant would that be? Right? I'm just like him. You, you would just say, we're, we're, we believe in this way. We believe in this way of living. And then um, the movement turns into, over time, a machine. Anybody see this? I, I, never, I always get nervous about my spelling in public. I don't know. It's, uh, it turns into a machine where you got to, you know, like, Anybody ever start like a business or something like that? And then you're like, it's just you and like one other person. And then you start bringing new people in and they go, well, 
well, where, where, what's the HR policy? And you go, H, HR policy? I'm like, get to work, work your butt off, and go home. Come back the next day. Official. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Official H, that's our policy. You know, if you can't get out of bed, have your wife drive you here and still work. That's, you know. And when, when you have a movement, you have, you have people working from their heart, right? Full enthusiasm. They're just fully hard. They're like, this is the best. We, we're going to change the world. This is the greatest. And then you have to start putting things in place. Yeah, but I do need to know if I can, you know, go see my kids graduate. Okay, all right, you can. You may, and then you have to create structure. Right? And then this is going somewhere. Don't leave. This is going somewhere. All right. Uh, the machine turns into a monument. Have you ever seen this happen in any organization you've ever been a part of? And after the monument, it just becomes um, hmm, less of this, right? And this is just an institution that mostly exists for itself, kind of like self-preservation. And this is when you have people that take as much time as they can off to the very letter of the law, and then you have, much, you have minimum effort going in, and then you have the leaders just preserving it. And this is like in the church realm, this would have happened, you know, like around, three, around 300 A.D., right? It started to get formal. You had Constantine, you know, you had people making all these creeds. Now say this after me. We all got to be on the same page. We all got to be on the same page. We have to believe the exact same things. There's no deviating, right? <clears throat> you make it universal. Now some of this is natural. But then what happens down here, and this is my modification just so that you know, thing turns into a monster. Think about it. So now you must follow us. You must obey. You have to. Think of what happened with the church. What did the church do? Went from this, the, the most beautiful, pure movement of love over time to this. They were persecuted here they went to persecuting. This, is this true? Does anybody read history? Or do you, is anybody even awake? Let's just start with awake. I'll take awake this morning. This, this is what happens. And so they, they would kill people that don't believe the right way. Just, well, we'll, just, well, we'll kill you then. Well, well, what if I think that, uh, you know, I just got, I don't know, I've just been doing some angles and stuff, and I've been thinking that maybe... I know it seems like because you wake up and the sun's like over here and then it goes like this, but I'm thinking we're moving. Heretic, right? And now we have to persecute this person. And so what happens is this is very common. Now, what does it take? Somewhere in here, a man has to emerge again, a human. I'm just using the M's, but... Ladies, are you with me? Yeah. You go, girl. All right. This is, absolutely. Um, 
Someone has to emerge. But when you fight the monster, some of you know what it's even like to fight the machine. That's bad enough. You're going to get some cuts. Anybody got a little grinding on you? I'm going against the system. Yep. But some of this is necessary. Some of it's natural to the way it happens. But if you start to fight this, Jesus is caught in the perfect storm. Here's the storm. The Roman system. The Romans came in. They, they oppressed them. They dominated. They took over their land. It would be the equivalent Ish, ish, ish. The equivalent of Putin winning, taking over Ukraine, putting in a government, taking the land from the people that own it now, and letting them have the privilege of farming it, but it's his land, and he will tax them and rent their land back to them that he just took from them. Do you see why there was a little bit of angst in Jesus' day? There was a lot of angst, and there was, there, was, there was craving and crying for a hero, for someone to deliver them. Just, just historical context. We haven't even really cracked it open yet, the Bible. But sometimes we crack it open too early. Anybody ever crack one open too early? I mean, the Bible? <laughs> Anybody? If you crack it open, what I mean by that is if you crack it open too early, you, you don't have any context for it. And, and we end up looking for refrigerator verses, which are fine. I'm all for them. Anybody have a good few refrigerator verses? Keep you going through the day. I can do all things through Christ, right? And, and, you know, for God so loved the world. They're good, good. Keep you going. They're good. But sometimes you have to back up. And before I crack this open, I go, okay, what, what was going on here? You know, the Roman systems are oppressing. And then you had the Jewish system. So then the Jews who were being oppressed by the Romans had all their own internal answers. How are we going to fix this? How are we going to fight this? And there were different ways. One way we can fight it is the Sicarii. One, two, three. Well done. Well done. It was named after their little daggers that they kept in their cloaks. And the, these were the zealots. You remember one of the disciples was Simon the Zealot. And the Sakari movement was sort of a, 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 a pray but use your sword when you have to movement. I mean, they came with their swords, we'll use our swords, and that's what we'll do. And that was an option, and a lot of people chose that option. And then there was another option, which was like the, the movement of Herod, the Herods. And this was more of a political compromise. Hey, the Romans are here. We might as well play some politics, scratch their back, let them scratch ours. And people moved into this and said, well, we'll just have to make do. And then there were others. They just went out in the desert, literally. If you've ever been there, you can go to the Qumran caves, and they just went to the desert, and they said, God's going to take care of this evil system. God's going to smite them. And they removed themselves from society. And that's kind of what people did. The Pharisees were mostly in line with, like, the Sakari movement. The, the Sadducees would have been in line with the, the Herod, the, the Compromisers movement. Heard about all these, these characters in the Bible. Along comes Jesus. And he doesn't fit anywhere. But people start to follow him. He said crazy stuff like, if a man forces you to go, to, to go a mile, you go two miles. Who's ever heard this? 
In that day, a Roman soldier could legally come to your door, drop his backpack at your door, and demand that you walk a mile for him. No matter what you're doing. Bam. Get up. Probably could call you whatever name he wanted to in front of your family. How does that feel? And along comes a teacher, a rabbi, who said, if that happens to you, you take it the mile. You take it every bit of that mile. Anybody ever heard of a mile marker? Now, I have read that history says these guys would take a marker and mark it a mile from their house. So when they got to that mile, they went there and not an inch further. Screw you. I mean, if you don't have any emotion when you read the Scriptures, you're not reading it. You're not understanding it, what was going on. I mean, your blood would boil. And along comes a teacher. He says, if they tell you to take it a mile, you take it two miles. And there's that Roman soldier walking next to you. How does he think about his job? Good question. Good question. Is this what he wanted to do with his life? Maybe and maybe not. Maybe you start to realize three-quarters of the way through that mile that he's a human being like you, and he's got a family to feed too. And a few meters before you get to the mile marker, you shock him and say, so do you have children? He's shocked. He doesn't know what to say to answer you, to rebuke you, to yell at you. But you said it sincerely enough that he said, yeah, two boys and a girl. And you say to him, if you wouldn't mind, I'll carry your pack another mile because I'd love to hear about him. That's the kind of stuff Jesus taught. That's the way he lived. And people started thinking, there might be something to this way. This might be the way out. To kill people with love. Love is its own power. Don't be mistaken. Love is its own power. It's complicated, it's messy. Maybe you have a messy thing to deal with love. You're not awake. <laughs> it is messy. How do I do? What do I, when do I not? When do I? When do I get tough? When do I get soft? It's me- but listen, love has its own power. That was his message. It was love. He said you could summarize the whole thing. Love God, love your neighbor. That's how you summarize it all. And you do these kinds of things. And people started buying it. Except who? The people that had the positions of power already. And he's arrested in the garden because he got caught sticking out between this Roman oppression 
I mean, I mean, in the Jewish leadership in his day, they, they, they wanted to do it a different way, but people were starting to move towards him. And you'll read over and over again in the Gospels, it says, from that point on, they kept an eye on Jesus. From that point on, they plotted how they would take his life. From that point on, they decided his fate. We can't let this go. One of the things that happens when you get somewhere in here, in this range, you start to create symbols. You know, you got to keep the, the, the movement in the machine somewhere in here. You have a symbol. And, and the Jewish people had symbols in their day. One of the great symbols of their day was the Sabbath. Now, they're great because symbols kind of keep us together, right? We, we, we rally around flags. We rally around symbolic things. And one of the things that they had in their day uh, was the Sabbath. They stopped on Saturday. It was very sacred. Now, like a lot of things, I think there's something good in the deep parts of the Sabbath a lot, to be frank. That's another message. But once in a while, um, Jesus chose to ignore the symbol. Because symbols are just what? Symbols. Right? Like, I have this symbol. This is a symbol that I'm married, right? And and, uh, you know, it's, it's an important one. You, you, you hold on to it. It's sacred. And if, and, uh, uh, but like, like, let's say maybe I'll try to be extremely dramatic for the sake of making a point. But someone broke into the house, and I had the ability to melt this down, and I had a musket, and it was my last chance to save my family. Are you with me? Well, you don't mess with the symbol because you're not respecting your marriage. Well... I'm pretty much not going to have a marriage or a daughter or a wife if I don't melt this thing. Are you with me? The guy broke in the door. Was it a good example or no? I was going to say, should I use it in the next service? But I don't have a next service anymore. All right, so. But sometimes you got to melt it down. you got to go, well, sometimes it's, it's more important what the thing is about. I'm trying to protect her life and our relationship. And so Jesus would do this with the Sabbath, and it infuriated them. Like, you're screwing up the symbols, and now you've healed somebody on the Sabbath. Jesus says, Mark 2, 27, he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He's like, you guys are getting it all turned around. You're, you're, you're making it so we're serving. This is all now about serving the system rather than the system serving the people. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus was in no uncertain terms heroic. He was heroic by any standard you give him. And if we could dig through the dirt of 2,000 years of history, we would see just how incredibly heroic he was. Now, when I think of hero, this is, I don't mean superhero. I don't mean that. I mean hero. This will get me into a little bit of trouble. I'll probably deserve it. So I usually say, don't send me an email. Go ahead. Um, because I'll probably have it coming on this. But, but... I think one of the things that happens over 2,000 years is people jump to, when they think of Jesus living his life or reading the Gospels, we have this Christian idea of God incarnate, right? 
incarnate, in flesh, incarnate, fully human, fully God, fully divine, fully human. And I think one of the things that happens, this is my opinion, I think when people think of Jesus, they think of God. Like I have a, someone sent me a, like a birthday card and it's got like three camels like walking away from you and it's like on the back of the camel, it's like my son's an honor roll student, they're in biblical costumes, you know what I mean? My son's an honor roll student and then, and then the next one, you know, said my son's, you know, like this and then, and then uh, th- this third camel over here says our son is God and then this couple over here saying, well, if it isn't Joseph and Mary, you know. (laughs) You'll get it in a minute. It's funny on many levels when you think about it, but there's two problems with it. One, it makes it too easy. If we just go, well, that was, he was God, so it makes it too easy to do the things that he did because he would just switch to God mode, right? And, and by the way, like theologians, like you go to Bible school and you think about this, and people have been thinking about this for 2,000 years. What does that mean? Like, is he wrapped like a burrito? Is it like God on the inside? I mean, literally, they got, people are trying to figure this out because people don't have, and they have, there's a, like a two-tank theory, you know, and I like, well, and it would be like, you know, if, like, well, this is regular gasoline. When he gets into trouble, he switches to nitro, But these are things to think about, seriously to think about, because I think most people just think, well, he was God, so all of it was essentially easy. This is worth thinking about, actually thinking. I I tell you, a friend of mine said this. He came over the other day, and we were talking about these kinds of things, and he said, you know, what's interesting to me is he said, my son um, is in late teens, maybe he's almost 20, I'm not sure, and he said he watched the Passion of the Christ, and he said the thing that struck him was that Jesus didn't want to do this. That's how it should strike us. No human wants to die. No human wants to be betrayed. No human wants, to, wants to, their, their flesh to be ripped apart. No human, that, that, that's not human. And if you... If you Take the humanity out of Jesus, you miss the heroism of Jesus. Because you just, well, I'll just switch to God mode. And, no, he's crying. He's asking, he's asking his father, please let this suffering pass from me. Let's do it a different way. And, and the most courageous people do that, don't they? The most courageous people get to a point when they're like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can go through with it. Nevertheless, and the other reason that us thinking about Jesus this way is difficult, is problematic, is because then then we're never really going to aim to follow him. Because subconsciously, well, he's God, so who can do that? Subconsciously. And what we switch to instead of following is we switch to worshiping. I'm close. I'm, I'm needling in there close. And I think for 2,000 years we've been worshiping the heck out of Jesus. 
Maybe not following as much. Maybe. Why? Because if you come to worship, the pastor hits you on the back. Way to go. Did you find the offering box? And, you know, you get all these attaboys for doing church things and worship things. But following, that's brutal. I mean, that's Monday and Tuesday stuff. That's Thursday afternoon stuff. Anybody can do this. I mean, I'm not insulting you, but, I mean, it's an hour. Dear God. You know, you get to bring coffee in here. I mean, remember when we grew up? Anybody? Please. I don't even want to hear it from some of you. I want you to think about that. And, and I think the way we think of Jesus is a problem. I didn't say he wasn't divine. I didn't say that. So you take that out of your email. But you can email me. But, but the way we view him going through his humanity, because it says he was tempted at every point the way we are. And you can't. If, you're, if you just switch to God mode, then you can't. But, if, but if, if the pain and the suffering and the betrayal and the denial and the fear was just as what you would feel then... He can be a hero, and then you also can say, I might not ever do it enough. I might not ever do it perfectly. I might not even come close, but that'd be a great way to live my life. Now, let me just bring this all the way home. This is what we need to teach our kids. That's what we need to teach them. live heroic lives. Heroic is not, a lot of people knew about it. That's not what heroic means. Heroic is selfless, right? In the, in the service of others, beyond yourself, and courageous. Because there will be time you'll have to fight the monster. And that will take all the courage you can summon. Every bit. Because you might lose your life in the process. I don't think most of us, perhaps, our lives, the, the, the axis of our lives, the time and place that we live, probably you aren't going to have to be required to give your life. That's what we call it everyday heroes because you might just have to give someone your place in line. You may have to give someone a kind gesture that didn't give you one. All these things, to me, are what it means to follow Jesus. Something that, as we've been saying, we should be less so certain to claim. A little humility would help us a lot. And more intent on trying. He lived fully human, the most heroic life of human history. And because of that, because of that, people celebrate and worship and we're going to have Easter and all that, but I just pray 
we could focus on following. The most challenging things that he taught and he lived and he did. And they are challenging. If you've taken a hard look at it, I think you'd agree.